I'm going to call you the crop top wearing blacksmith from now on. You're going to look up in downtown LA and see that on a billboard and realize <laughs> this is where it all began. Is that Golik? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Mother of God. What it is, what it do, this is Rambling, your weekly Rams podcast that gives you insight of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from beautiful Agora Hills, California, back from the madness of training camp. Joining me today, here's one of the funniest guys I know. You can find him all over ESPN and ESPN Radio, including Golik and Wingo. He is not only an expert in sports, but also The Bachelor, and he claims if he was a girl... He would wear nothing but crop tops. Welcome, my friend, Mike Golick Jr. Not going to lie, I think that's the best introduction (laughs) someone's ever done, mostly because it's the only one that has properly communicated my love of crop tops. So God bless you, Serena. Great to talk to you again. You got it. Um, Is that an ode to Zeke Elliott, or do you just think that crop tops are the way forward and I've been doing it all wrong as a woman? You know what it is? I think it's less so that you've done anything wrong and more so I just look around and I survey like women's fashion has a lot more fun than men's fashion. And I think the idea of a crop top as a large man who sweats often is nice because it's airy. It lets a little bit of a draft in there. And so I just wanted to make sure that people everywhere, regardless of gender and regardless of their body type, because I'm a bigger guy feel like the crop top is something that they can rock what a kind thing to keep in mind like the air of a stomach like if you've had too much to eat you can air oh. it out literally just you don't even have to do anything what a blessing <laughs> um we'll get to rams football first the rams are coming off of an incredible season right it's a new year it's a new day some things change but to be quite honest wade phillips remains the defensive coordinator and when i said to him yesterday how are you he said hawaii that's right We had a game there. So clearly, Mike, I get this every day as the team reporter for the Rams. What is the perception of the Rams from your point of view? I mean, I I think they're right where they were last year, which is a team that we expect to compete to be the Super Bowl representative of the NFC yet again. Like, I think what's gotten interesting is they're certainly a little more up in the air, right? Like Todd Gurley and everything that transpired really from the end of the regular season through the Super Bowl has certainly changed a lot of thought there. But I think with the rest of it, you know, you've got a a coach in Sean McVay who now is developing a young coaching tree, which is something that not a lot of guys his age get to say. And so I think the national perception on the Rams is one that's pretty highly respected. They are, I think, treated – the best thing you can say about someone in the NFL is they're treated as a known commodity on the positive end. Obviously, you have people that drown in – you know, anonymity and mediocrity like the Bengals. But on the positive end, the Rams are looked at as a known commodity. For sure. And they've got some great, a lot of big names now, especially with the additions in the offseason, like Clay Matthews and Eric Weddle. Um, but to me, I still am just like, if you've got Wade Phillips, you're A-OK. You're all good. hundred <laughs> um, percent. We also have another uh, guy, Andrew Whitworth. And he told me once, you can tell the difference between an O-lineman and a D-lineman just by their personality. You, a former O lineman, what like what is it about them that defines that group? So I think it's two parts. One is they're definitely neurotic because you live a lifetime as pack animals, and so you're used to not only having to be everywhere together all the time, but having to be there very early because offensive line coaches are a strange bunch. And so 
even now as someone who hasn't played football since 2015, I still find myself showing up way too early to every meeting for a show or way too early when I'm covering games right now because that's just the old habit. And the personality, I think, is a defense mechanism because, as I said, you are a room, the offensive line room, full of fat and sweaty kids at heart. And there are very few other people outside that are, in general, going to be drawn to hang out with a group of fat and sweaty kids. And so you've got to make yourselves appealing with social currencies. Offensive linemen can quote movies. We're generally pretty self-deprecating. All because we have to make ourselves more inviting because, again, in general, we're, we're rather large and we don't always smell great. Maybe Jared Goff for his present to the O-linemen, because I've suggested a couple of things, should just be to get them crop tops, right? If they're all sweaty, oh. just like air it out. Well, they're all sweaty and they're in Los Angeles. Like what area would be more receptive to big boy crop tops than L.A.? You can do anything out there. This episode brought to you by Old Spice, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> is is Andrew Whitworth the gold standard of O-linemen? I, I, in so many ways. First off, you can start off on the field. Like I, I, I often said about the 2016 Cowboys offensive line that really was one of the ones that made O-line talk in the NFL sexy. You added Zach Martin to that group, and it was really sort of the, the last piece they needed to unlock Voltron. And Witt was really that in L.A. when the Rams started to take this step into becoming the known commodity, the, the stability that he provided coming over after what was a great career, but one that didn't necessarily get the pub it deserved in Cincinnati for obvious reasons with that team's success. But Witt coming over, and, and the things he's done now, I mean, I look up and the guy is 37 years old and still not only you know, does all the things that you would expect a, a veteran lineman to do, has the full tool bag, is such a technician when you put on the tape, but to still be as athletically gifted as he is to the point where I'm looking on his Instagram the other day as he's wrapping up, you know, this is before training camp, he was wrapping up summertime with his family. And I look at a pool picture and I go, he is a 320-something-pound offensive lineman with what looks like a borderline six-pack. And that's when I realized sometimes the genetic lottery just didn't fare to all of us. So he is, for longevity, for all these things, is such an unbelievable example of what this position should be. And a lot of the people don't see this side of wit where, like, even in a, a punt on special teams, he's the first guy, not the first lineman, he's the first guy down the field to where the ball is. Yeah. He's fast. He's like, he belongs in the Redwood Forest. He's just all tree limb. Oh, it really, it, it really agree. is something like he is, he is a mountain of a man and absolutely like the rock of what has been like. I've been so amazed during this run for the Rams at just what they've been able to do continuity wise. And obviously John Sullivan, you know, you, you have some departures here in the off season, finally in the middle of what was getting to be an older offensive line, but just how healthy they've been able to be for the last couple of years and to have, your 37-year-old stalwart at left tackle, the one leading the charge on that level of consistency, set the tone that really ends up, I think, reverberating through a lot of the teams. There are two preseason games left, which seems like a century from now. But as an undrafted free agent, like, what is the key to some of these guys making the team that maybe we are not able to see? Like, Is it more than just sparking on the field during these four preseason games? Yeah, I mean, listen, what you see during the games is certainly a part of it. and It's a great opportunity, I, I think, especially for guys. You know, I was always, in a weird way, jealous as an offensive lineman because you don't get a chance to pop on special teams as much. And so for a lot of these guys, especially in the last couple of weeks here, you're trying to be, you know, the fifth or sixth linebacker, the, you know, the extra DB that gets kept. 
And the way you do that is certainly perform at the position, but you've got to go out there and, and dominate and make a mark on special teams. And so that's certainly one way, but it, it's continuing in practice. Every guy I ever talked to who came up in the undrafted path, as I was seeking advice for guys to try, try and figure out how to make it, it's, it's start a fight. It's be the guy that pushes someone over a pile. It's find a way to stick out, even if it seems counterproductive, even if it's extra. And a lot of times, even if your teammates kind of get a little upset about it, you know, we call them tempo violators. If you're going a little too fast for what the period's supposed to be, but to an extent, if you're trying to make it and it is a zero sum game out here, you got to be the dude putting it on tape each and every day because every practice, even in addition to the games, is monitored and evaluated by your team and the 31 other teams that are looking for dudes. And so it, it really is, you almost have to be a little bit extra in a way that's sometimes uncomfortable because. It's not what you're used to as someone who came and probably starred at the, at the previous level in college. Speaking of extra, the cat's out of the bag. Todd Gurley doesn't have a cat. I know you have trust issues over this. Um, but if, if, he, if he were to actually have one, right, what kind of cat dad do you think Todd Gurley would be? Would he be the guy who posts on Instagram Every day, he's part of that cat family on IG. Or do you think he is someone who posts like three days after the cat's birthday and he's like, oh, yeah, reminder, I'm a cat dad. You know what? I want, like, even still, and this is how heartbroken I am, because he checked all the boxes. Like, we all thought he had misspelled cat dad when it was cat ad, but he had dressed it up. It had a little bow tie. He had a different voice for his cat, which I said is a hallmark of trust. If you do not have a different voice for your pet, I don't know if I can ride with you. So all of these things still stick for, I think he would have been a really great, diligent pet dad. You know, he, he probably would have been, you know, kind of like what you have in Pittsburgh with Juju Smith-Schuster and his French Bulldog, Bougie. I really think that's the kind of guy Todd Gurley could be if he applied himself. And I, I'm just upset that we were all deceived in plain sight, really, because he didn't lie to us. It said cat ad, but I still... I feel, I feel, I'm hurt, I'm confused, but for some reason, I still believe in Todd Gurley's cat parenting skills. I do too, because I don't think that you just pull out, you know, no one tells you, hey, I want you to hold up a cat's paw and put on a different voice for the cat. Like, that came naturally. The the bow tie, not so much, but the voice, that came within. That's so true. That's instinct right there, because you're right. We've all done certain things where you got to do a read for a company, and no one in that company is ever creative enough to ad lib that. So you're right. Maybe we saw the natural instinct take hold. I hope he, I hope he takes this opportunity to do right and goes out and finds himself a cat. For the people. Do you think he had, like, what do you think the other voices for his cat were <laughs> that he practiced? Yes. Yeah. This is, this is always the, uh, the struggle I have because with smaller animals, like my family's got two pugs. And so, I tend to give them higher voices, kind of dopey ones, because they have the smushy face. And so you just simply go high voice with the cat, but I would like him to actually break the mold and maybe deepen it up a little bit. Cat with a you know, big grumpy voice like this walking into town, maybe a little Western. I don't know why I gave it a Western voice. <laughs> maybe it is the Wade Phillips jacket effect, you know, the old son of bum deal that leaked in there. But I feel like we're due for a deep voice cat. Yeah, so like a, a Morgan Freeman voice, right? Oh, yeah, very deliberate. 
You still haven't seen the Lego movie, have you? I haven't seen okay, the Okay, well, there's movie. all those cats that go by, and it's like, meow, 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 meow. Oh, see? That's what <laughs> That's the cat. That's the cat we're looking for. Um, based on things that have happened in the news this week, I want to say a name or a football-related word, and I just want you to fill in the sentence. So we're going to go, Baker Mayfield is. Baker Mayfield is learning. He is learning very quickly that nothing is off the record unless it is said to be off the record and that everything you do kind of like it was in college. And that's why I'm surprised it's taking so many of these instances for him to learn. But, you know, I just, I just saw some note flash by that he had reached out to Daniel Jones to try and mend the fence after some comments that were uh, to his Baker's credit kind of taken out of context in certain ways but I think Baker is learning that as the face of the franchise now it's still a different step up from being the face of Oklahoma football from being a Heisman Trophy winner when you're now being one of the guys that's one of the ready associations with a face of the NFL kind of guy the Cleveland Browns in the Super Bowl this year would would be one of the most shocking sports (laughs) stories on earth like I I think this team has the chance to be really good but them being in the Super Bowl would be the kind of thing that we would hand an SB2 out on the other end here because for a place like that to go from winning one game in two years prior to last season to that would be it'd be awesome to watch like my dad my dad from Cleveland his side of the family still all out there like we have plenty of roots there and it's amazing to see how far Cleveland has come since like LeBron James went back there and really brought everything up to speed, but that would be a, that would be an act of God. How about that? Yeah, helmets are. <laughs> helmets are my current least favorite thing on the planet. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, like when I had to wear helmets, it sucked because like you have that first couple of days of camp when you put them back on for the first time and your neck super sore. No matter how many four way neck machine exercises you do, there's nothing quite like having to tote around what feels like a ten pound helmet, but. My God, if I never have to hear about a shut model, whatever, for the rest of my life again, even as someone who loves and covers football, it'll be too soon. AB killed helmets for me. Did you have to do workouts for your neck to wear a helmet? Oh, yeah. You do fun. I mean, just in general, you absorb a lot of shock with your neck. But, like, you, I don't know. Those things are heavy. Like, the first, you ask any guy, the first couple of days you go out there in helmets, even going back to, like, OTAs, you wake up that next morning and you remember every time it is brand new. It's like squatting for the first time after a month off. <laughs> Russell Wilson's man bun is. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it. Progressive. I really, <laughs> I, I, as, as some, listen, as someone who just opened this podcast by campaigning for crop tops, who am I to stop someone from going for a man bun just because I am balding at 29 and can no longer do that? Like, you know, get it how you live. I could t- do without the late night, like Russell Wilson contract announcement videos. That was kind of creepy and stuff like that. But as far as the man bun here, I- I- I'm all for it. Go work with what you work with what the good Lord gave you. Is it because he now owns uh, or a part owner of like the Seattle Sounders? Like, is it like the whole soccer frenzy that he's just trying to, you know, earn the trust of soccer fans that he grew that thing out? Oh, exactly. I mean, that's a, you know what? You can say a lot of things about Russ, and sometimes he comes off a little bit corny, and sometimes he can try a little bit too hard. But, man, when he is in on something, he goes all the way in. So uh, I, I guess congratulations to the, uh, to the Sounders there. Good for them. 
Is he also, I always think like Russ might be doing the exact opposite of the Tom Brady look, which is like the clean, you know, shaved, you know, keep it 100 Giselle well, thing. And then it's like man bun. It's like almost the two pretty boy looks. But on Well, and I guess that's the thing is, you know, if you, at this point in Tom Brady's career, we've watched him go through every hairstyle. Like, you know how they do when it's someone's birthday, they do that face meld yes. of their face from every year over time. Tom Brady is such an adventure. That guy's had every hairstyle and about everything done to his face that you can. So maybe Rush just sees like that's how you become the goat. You change it up every once in a while. I'll challenge Tom Brady to grow a mullet. Ooh. Oh, my God. Yes. Has there been anything that we need more as NFL fans than Tom Brady's mullet? Like an Eric Weddle just can't cut shaved. It. Can't cut it till he retires. Oof. Yes. Ooh, there Which we go. Could be forever. Um, last one. <laughs> Antonio Brown changes the preseason. Changes the preseason. I'll say outlook on cryotherapy forever. <laughs> like I, as someone, and I thought I had one of the worst cryotherapy stories ever because when I was with the Saints, and I will not name this person, but. A certain player that I was friends with on the Saints once ruptured a nipple in the cryotherapy machine. What? What? Yeah, yeah I full full pause. Ruptured a nipple in that machine, and that was the last time because I had used it before. After that, I was like, you know what? I'm good in the ice tub. I'll go back. I don't need this anymore. And so I thought that was the worst story you could have in a cryotherapy until I saw ABC. Wow, that sounds awful and painful. Yeah, haunting. Do, do you think that he, if he comes out and he's just like a monster and everyone loves him and he's winning a gajillion points on fantasy football this year, do you think that they that helps change the momentum of less preseason games to no pre? Like we next year we're just like no preseason, it's cool, no worries, we don't need it. He didn't show up. Oh, I, I think it, it would definitely be another positive plot point on that end, right? I mean, hell, you guys have one out there. I mean, Aaron Donald. Missed the last, what, two preseasons as Defensive Player of the Year? Like, you're seeing time and time again that a lot of these guys, as they go along in the league, these veteran players, it, it's a year-round job. They're always working on this. And so the notion that you need preseason nearly as much anymore in a lot of instances is kind of being shown to be antiquated. So, yeah, I, I think that would definitely help go a long way in that. All right. Well, there's your answer. Now we've got our... Serena's social It segment. is time for Serena's social segment. <laughs> All right. I have to ask, because this has been the wave and the debate for the last three days now, Popeye's chicken sandwich. Have you tried it? it, it, it it's the new king. I went and tried it yesterday. I, I had to do it. I had to ride the wave, guys. And let me tell you what. I was someone who was going to that for – I'm pretty – I don't want to say down on. I appreciate Chick-fil-A, but I think like In-N-Out Burger, it gets a lot more hype than it does substance after a while. But I went and tried the Popeye's chicken sandwich yesterday. It, it even jumped my Wendy's sandwich that I truly enjoyed. Great girth, an awesome audible crunch when you bite into it. Brioche buns. It, it brings the heat in basically every level you can as a chicken sandwich. I'm, I already Googled the closest Popeye's to Agora Hills. So. <laughs> He's if you going. want to go for lunch. If you'd like to fly out for lunch, chicken sandwich on Matt today. Oh, there we go. So yeah, yeah. Do, your, do yourself that favor. Throw a biscuit and some Cajun fries in there and have yourself an afternoon. Why does this sandwich, like, max out all the other sandwiches? Like, what have they done? Is it the bun? Is it the brioche bun? 
you know what? I, I think that's a supremely underrated part of it, Serena, to be honest, is you don't often think about bun innovation when you're dealing in fast food. You just assume that's sort of going to be like inflated cardboard and you move on and you go with it because you're paying for efficiency, but they go the extra mile with that. I, I really think chicken is made by the breading in a lot of instances too. And I think they did enough, but not too much, if that makes sense with the breading on this. I think it's a good solid amount of sandwiches for your box. It's a good balance. Um, something else in the news, air mattresses were blowing in the wind in Denver. The, uh, the man who recorded this beautiful visual called it the Great Mattress Migration of 2019. Great name. Um, it was for a movie night. They put air mattresses out, but then the air literally lifted up all of these mattresses and they went blowing all over the place. It's on social media. You can see it. Um, but this brought me and Matt to an idea to really brought us to Sharknado. <laughs> we went from mattresses oh. to Sharknado. <laughs> so we want to know what is another inanimate object flying through the air that would give you the fear to hide in a ditch <laughs> it's like air mattresses are like oh man i got hit over by an air mat like there's no real fear like in a that. watermelon's coming at you yeah watermelon oh man hide <laughs> oh man um <laughs> you know what like i feel like because i'm looking at this video right now and i think it's the ominous sky that because like i'm even kind of scared of these air mattresses now yes. with the right sky lighting you can really be afraid of anything but I would say if you're going to have a wave of everything, it would be like disappointed mothers. Like I literally mom, just thought that. <laughs> like like a bunch of disappointed moms just rolling in the wind, scolding me. Mike, why aren't you dating anyone into your early 30s? Why haven't you given me grandkids yet? Like all of that rolled into a thunderstorm barreling towards us like a bat out of hell. And they just keep coming. <laughs> like, yeah, what it, you, never, like- it never stops. Because the thing about a, a screaming mother is that you can walk away from them and, like, the noise stops. But if they're just all coming at you and they just keep rolling through, that seems awful. No, exactly. And the, the worst part is their intentions are good. They just love you and want the best for you. But it doesn't matter when wave after wave of their constant stream of disappointments in you are coming at you like an unstoppable rebel force. Sharknado 5. <laughs> The mom's No, they return. do have a new one coming out. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, my. It's a uh, zombie. It's zombie tsunami. Oh. Yeah, zombie tsunami. I thought that looked great. Mom tsunami. Um, our last, we're wrapping up here. If not for football, then. So, like, if football didn't exist, Mike, what would what would you be doing with your life? If football didn't exist, I always said that I would really, like, I'm very jealous of my brother. My younger brother's a year and a half younger than me, but he got all of like the handy genes in the family. So he can fix things. He can put stuff together. Like he's very good at home projects. And I always took that to its extreme. I said, if I wasn't, if it wasn't for football and I didn't do media or anything else, I would have loved to have like gone back to something primal, like being a blacksmith. You get to work with your hands. You're kind of jacked because you're always lifting and doing stuff anyway. It's metal work. So I can make stuff like swords that seem super badass. It just, it all seems very appealing. Like I'm covered in soot. I'm in, you know, I, I've got like a, a, a an apron on going into work every day, just hammering away at somebody's battle axe. So how far, so we're going back to like medieval blacksmith, not just like industrial oh, yeah. revolution blacksmith. No, no, no. I want to do the goods. I want to like, I'll make them for like a medieval times fair and stuff like that. I recognize that I'm really limiting my market like that, but <laughs> the heart wants what it wants. You can only live in one. You're just, you know, back with like John Snow. 
Because that's all of a sudden become history in my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> Game of exactly. Thrones. Game of Thrones is, is a part of actual history now. <laughs> it's part uh, of a collegiate course, probably, I'm sure. I mean, I had, I, a, I, had I can't a, wait for my kids to learn about the Battle of the Bastards in school. <laughs> no lie. I, we, uh, my senior year, we had an entire class called Examining Friday Night Lights, and we watched the movie, we watched the show, and we read the book. It was kind of real based on it's reality. <laughs> very factual. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, well, that's it. That's our fourth episode of Rambling. It's in the books. Thank you to the blacksmith. Shout out to all the screaming moms out there. Crop top wearing blacksmith. <laughs> A crop top wearing blacksmith. Mike Golick Jr. Thank you for hanging, my friend. <laughs>